You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. But I will say this, I've never sold a single ounce of my gold or silver bullion, and I've been a buyer since 2003. That is your ultimate insurance policy, at least for this world. This is an upside down world we're living in. I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow, but I sleep a lot better at night knowing knowing that I own gold and silver bullion. Welcome back. I'm Bill Powers. Thanks for tuning into Mining Stock Education. And in today's show, we're going to be touching base for our monthly check-in with Nick Santiago of InTheMoneyStocks.com. Nick has over three decades experience trading all types of markets. But Nick, I want to go back to what we talked about in our last interview, where you said that you expected a generational move in gold about 18 to 20 months, 24 months from now. And one comment showed up in the comment section saying, well, Nick seems to have changed his tune. Wasn't he a little more bullish after a recent double bottom? Could you uh, begin by addressing that, please? Yeah, sure. So that double bottom occurred in March. And uh, by the latter part of March, we, we made what I call a W formation. And we had a huge run. I mean, gold was under 1700. It, it ripped higher. Um, I sold out of it. I made some good money in, in gold, in options, and also in the gold positions. And then I actually got stopped out of a, of a, a gold miners play and um, uh, a, a gold miners option play. So, you know, um, these things don't go up and down a straight line. If you recall, in the June options expiration period, gold got hit pretty hard. And at that point in time, I said, you know, you can trade around this, but ultimately we're going to have another move lower, and that'll last. That'll take. A while to get down there, um, but once it does, you know you're going to get a generational buying opportunity. I think you'll get something like you saw back in the early 2000s, 1999. Um, ultimately, um, the pattern for gold still is telling us you're going to have one more blast off move. I, I still think it's you know a little bit like I think last time I was on the program, I said you're probably looking at it you know a year or so, or maybe a year and a half, two years away. But it will happen. But you're going to get a chance to buy it lower. And I don't think we go significantly lower. The maximum, I think, on the downside would be around 1450. And I think that would be probably a lifetime buying opportunity. And that's where you'll see gold surge. So, you know, at the moment, um, you take advantage of it. I own some SLV right now for just a trade. I'm not looking for it to break to new all time highs or anything. If that were to happen, I'd be very excited and happy. But I'm not expecting that. I just look look at it as a potential trade. So um, I always tell everybody, you know, markets uh, don't go up in a straight line and they don't go down in a straight line. They do a lot of up and down backing and filling. And you just got to be able to read those patterns. So, you know, I I thought it was a a great trade setup that I gave everybody on the show back in March. I said, hey, this is where you want to own it. Um, Yeah, it went up, it backed off, came to double bottom, and then it ripped higher. I mean, we got a hundred plus point move out of it. You know, it went from sub 1700, well over 1800. So uh, there was good money there. But overall, you just let these things uh, shape out and just trade around it. But I do think that um, looking at last Mar- last June, I should say, the last options expiration. And by the way, we are now into the September expiration, another quarterly expiration. So we'll be watching to see how that plays out, gold and silver play out by Friday. But all- overall, there was a lot of damage done on the charts. And that's um, definitely a pattern you have to be careful of. So right now, I, I think, you know, there's some bounces in here up and down, but there, we're not looking at, I'm not looking at breakouts to new highs anytime soon. 
And I brought up that of gold just for you to address that objection from a listener, but also because your operating thesis, it's a little fluid, isn't right? You could lay out something. This is my expectation. But if you see something in the charts, you might modify that view. Would that be correct? Oh, sure. As a trader, we don't want to be wrong for long. (laughs) We want to know where we're wrong and have a stop out. And even if that means sitting on the sideline because you expected something, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And Sometimes, you know, you might have the greatest plan in the world and it just doesn't work. You have to admit when you're wrong in this business. Sometimes that's, you know, the biggest fault anybody can make in this business is having a big loss turn into an even bigger loss. Sometimes your first out is your best out. And as a technical trader, you know, that's why we use charts. So um, again, you know, I, I always look at different time frames. So sometimes I may be talking to one person on a daily chart pattern saying, hey, it's bullish, but Maybe the weekly or the monthly chart or the quarterly or yearly chart is giving me an entirely different read on what that time, what that time parameter is. So uh, again, you have to know what time frame you're, you're looking at. Is it a swing trade? Is it a longer term position trade? Is it an investment? You have to look at it like that. But I will say this. I've never sold a single ounce of my gold or silver bullion, and I've been a buyer since 2003. That is your ultimate insurance policy at least for this world. This is an upside down world we're living in. I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow, but I sleep a lot better at night knowing knowing that I own gold and silver bullion. So even though you make money looking at a computer screen, you believe in real money and you know the Mad Max scenario that some forecast, not everybody believes, but as a possibility, that's why you'd be stocking up on silver bars or silver coins. Absolutely. And um, I would always tell everybody, uh, if you don't think that Something like that can happen where we're going to depend on gold or silver um, as a real currency. Go look at Venezuela right now. I've got people over there that I've spoken to that have um, saved their families by owning gold and silver because the money is worthless. So, you know, don't think we can't turn into that. Venezuela at one point was the third richest country in the world. And look what's happened to them over there. So, um, again, I would tell everybody own coins if you can. That's, That's a good way to barter. You know, you can own gold coins or own um, small increment bars, 10-ounce bars. I have one on my desk right here. If you want to see, I keep it with me just for good luck, just to show everybody. So, you know, it's good to have. And uh, again, um, I would recommend everybody have some gold and silver bullion. And I don't care what price you buy it at, because when it really hits the fan, you'll see that 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 could be a saving grace, um, you know, for your next meal. Excellent. And that's what belief in owning physical silver is what eventually led me into mining stocks and focusing on commodities. So let's go through a couple of commodities. Uranium, it's up about 50% in the last 30 days. Any comments here, Nick? Yeah, it's off the charts right now, um, but it's getting long in the tooth and it's hitting a parabolic uh, point. So if you own it, you put a trailing stop in and you continue to hold it. If you do not own it, I would not be a buyer here just because when you make that Statue of Liberty type formation, it usually is, is is coming into a peak. Another one is aluminum, up, I think, 47% this year. What are your thoughts here? Same exact scenario, same exact pattern. It's, it's getting parabolic right now. I would not commit new money to it. But if you own it, I would definitely put a trailing stop in. Every time it moves up 3 4%, you put your trailing stop up 2 or 3% behind it. And that's the best way to play it because ultimately, anytime you go parabolic, it's it's unsustainable. You're going to eventually correct and come back down. We've seen it in gold. We've seen it in silver in the past. We've seen it in everything. 
I mean, it doesn't matter what equity you look at. When you make that formation, it can last a while, um, but that, that's where we are with that uh, chart pattern. Gold Terra Resource Corp. is a gold exploration company that has assembled a highly prospective district-scale land position on the doorstep of the city of Yellowknife in Canada's Northwest Territories. Gold Terra is currently focused on expanding and delineating gold resources at the company's Yellowknife City Gold Project, with the goal of discovering over 5 million ounces. With ready access to infrastructure and multiple high-grade gold discoveries, Gold Terra is on track to re-establishing Yellowknife as one of the premier gold mining districts in Canada. Gold Terra trades as YGT in Toronto and YGTFF on the OTC. For more information, go to goldterracorp.com. That's goldterracorp.com. What about Nat Gas? My wife's still running the air conditioner here using electricity in Michigan, so I haven't had to tap into too much Nat Gas for my furnace, but it's up like 40% in the last 30 days. It has gone parabolic as well, and I still think they're could be a little bit more upside in that gas, and then we should get a pullback. But, I mean, what's going on in Europe right now uh, with Germany and Russia and, and the whole story over there about, you know, can they get enough NAT gas for the winter? Um, it's, it's really, NAT gas has a great fundamental backdrop now to go higher, but it is getting parabolic. I would protect, I would protect the position. Um, you'll get pullbacks here, though, because of the parabolic move. All parabolic moves come back in. And, um, you know, I, again, I would just recommend that everybody that owns Nat Gas put a trailing stop in. I have not shorted Nat Gas. I have not even gotten in front of it on the short side because of the strength in it. And, um, again, it is getting long in the tooth here. So if you own it, trail, put a trailing stop in on Nat Gas. Are there any green energy trades that you're currently in or like? No, I'm not a green energy kind of guy. Um, I really don't like them. I, I don't think they're very efficient. Um, you know, the, the funny thing, Green energy is being forced down our throats by this administration and, and past administrations. I believe there is a time and place for every new technology, but you have to let that technology come into play organically. You can't force it on people. And, you know, green energy, uh, you know, it's getting better, but it, it's, it's not practical. It's not even reliable. Look what happened in Texas. So over this past winter in Texas. So again, um, you know, I'm not a green energy kind of guy. I mean, I might trade them here and there if there's a really good setup, but, you know, I don't have uh, much belief in them right now. Nick, I know you're not for the vaccine mandates, but just from a trader's perspective, with the vaccine mandates that are trying to be implemented in the States and around the world, is there a trade linked to such a policy that you might make money off of? Well, there always could be. Um, I, I, I don't, I think the vaccine stocks themselves have had big runs already. I, I don't really see much upside in them. And to be honest, I've been looking at a lot of studies from Israel and from, uh, from Iceland, which Iceland has a very small population. Israel has a small population. They're predominantly 100% vaccinated, and they're popping up with COVID cases everywhere. And people are sick. Some are in the hospital. So if we find out that this vaccine is a little bit of a scam, and it's been forced down our throats, those vaccine stocks are very vulnerable to downside. So I would avoid them right now. I have not played the vaccine stocks, um, but I am potentially looking to short them if I get the right chart set up. So COVID really, dis in the shutting down of the economy, forced governmental shutting down of the private sector, really hurt the supply chain. And I talk to people in all different industries where they're like, I'm behind on this, you know, windows take me, you know, four months, doors take me this long. 
Uh, aluminum takes me nine months out when I order. You know, how do you think this plays out in its effect on the economy in the next one to two years? Oh, this will have a big effect. Um, it's, it's. I mean, my wife crashed her car not that long ago, and it took us ten weeks to get a new car um, because, because of the, the aluminum side panels. Or? I think it was the chip shortage, uh, semiconductor chip shortage. But we have shortages in everything. It's, it's remarkable. We have ships backed up at ports. Uh, it's an absolute disaster. I mean, this economy, the world's economy should have never been shut down for this. This is the most ridiculous thing. I remember talking on another program with Kerry Lutz saying that, you know, this is crazy back in January 20, uh, February and March of 2020. Just isolate the people that are most vulnerable. And, uh, you know, they've done everything backwards. It's it's the, the supply chain should have never been disrupted, but it's here for a while and it's going to be disrupted for a long time, and it will have an effect on the economy, and it already is. I mean, you can't get certain goods. Uh, you know, um, anything you want. I tried to buy a generator for my house. It's. I'm still waiting for it. It was supposed to be in on on August first. I'm still here. We are in September. I still haven't gotten it yet. Do you think it'll be one of the pins that pops the bubble? Potentially, the supply chain. You know, disruption on the supply side. I think that could be part of it. I think there's a lot of things here that pop the bubble. And, and ultimately, um, the bubble lives on right now because of the central bank intervention. You have unprecedented amounts of capital being printed by the Federal Reserve, also by the European Central Bank. You have the Bank of Japan. I mean, this is unheard of stuff. We've never seen this in our lifetime. And, um, you know, the markets... Um, respond to liquidity. If there's enough liquidity in the system, it keeps the system afloat. What will happen, though, is when interest rates start to move higher, um, it will tell the, the central bankers, hey, you know, you can't keep doing this e these easy money policies anymore. So I, that's my take on it. The market will force the central bankers' hands. And I think that's ultimately what causes a major correction of some sort. Are you shorting anything this month? Not yet, not yet, but um, we're coming up into some pivotal time frames. So I'm, I'm watching some things to short. I think the best way to try to play the short side will be with put options because it's it's been virtually a, a one way trade. I mean, you go down for a little while and then you know you rip right back up on you know the back of some central bank comments. Next week, you're going to have the FOMC meeting, I believe, on the 21st and 22nd. It's a two day meeting. So what are they going to say? You know, they're going to say the same kick the can down the road type stuff. That you know everything's transitory. Meanwhile, people are paying more for everything across the board, and uh, inflation's really been on the rise. I mean, just look at the gas pump. I mean, that's first and foremost. But I forgot we don't we don't talk about food and energy. <laughs> that's right. We can't factor that into our inflation numbers, yeah, right? There is no inflation if you don't count the things that have been going up so dramatically. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully, you your uh, account has been going up, Nick. Uh, swing trade in the last thirty days. Can you tell us your best swing trade? Well, right now I just got into a, a, a trade um, on one of the cloud software names, um, Zendesk, and I, I like that. Um, it's, it's, I just got in a couple of days ago. It's already making a big move to the upside, so hopefully that will pan out for me. But this is a grinded out type of year. I've already said in 2021 it's going to be the year of trading dangerously, and with this being a quadruple witching options expiration, honestly, this is this market has been all over the map. It has not been an easy tape. It's been a very, very challenging year. Still grinding out a nice profit, but it's it's a challenge and it's going to be a grind all the way till the end. Challenge, most challenging ever for you even? Uh, not the most challenging, but right up there with them. The one year of a decade is always that way. 
That's why I coined it the year of trading dangerously. Look at all the bear markets that we have out here, but yet we have bull markets in other places like aluminum and like uranium. And then there's bear markets in like the hottest thing that was up earlier in the year, like SPACs. All these SPACs are in a toilet bowl right now. You can't even, they can't even get a bid. Chinese ADRs, right? The Chinese stocks are almost uninvestable now. So, you know, we're looking at a really, really turbulent trading year. And you have to be able to recognize the best chart pattern setups, or else really you don't stand the chances here. And your performance year to date, remind us where you're at now. I think I'm up about 18 or 19% in my swings. My options are a little underwater, actually, because I've had some options that have expired on me. But hopefully I'll make them up uh, as we go forward. But um, right now, you know, last year I was up over 200% at this point in time. This year, it's not that kind of year. And you just got to just grind it out. You know, that's, that's the way the one year of the decade works. It's never, it's never easy with this kind of uh, up and down chop that you have in different industry groups. And with three and a half months left, you still think you're going to make money on the VIX, right? I do. I okay. do think I'm going to make money on the VIX. Um, you know, I did make some money in the earlier in the year. And then I lost on a couple of trades uh, getting into the VIX. But honestly, I respect the Fed's money printing and the central bankers around the world. You know, they teach you a lesson sometimes. Sometimes a loss is the best thing that can happen to you because it keeps you from making that move over and over again. It doesn't take a lot for me to learn. But, um, you know, I, I have a level where I will be getting into volatility. And when that level is hit, I'm taking the trade all over again. Excellent. Well, thank you for your insights today, Nick. Nick's website is inthemoneystocks.com. We talk to Nick once a month. But if you want to learn more about trading and uh, tap into Nick's services and his timing and trading ideas, go to inthemoneystocks.com. Thanks for tuning in today. Thank you for having me, Bill. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment.
This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.